Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. We're going to do a bonus episode right now. So many people ask very Meg-specific questions for Meg, so we thought we'd devote the next episode to that. So, uh, Meg, are you ready? I'm ready. Rapid round. Rapid, Rapid question round. Rapid questions. All right. So who wants to ask the first question? Oh, we also have Jess here, our amazing and astonishing intern. And Jeff is back, our fantastic producers. We have the whole gang here. Uh, so we're just going to take turns asking Meg questions. And these questions are from the Facebook page, just so mm-hmm. everybody knows that's where they're coming from. Uh, So John asks, uh, he wants to know about some of the greatest challenges you faced while transitioning from producing to screenwriting, and if you have any advice for people looking to make that leap as well. I would say there were two uh, aspects, two challenges in that transition. One was external, one was internal. The external one was in general, not everyone, but there's a group of people who really don't want you to make that transition. Um, I went to some labs as a writer and I had people say things to me like, well, you didn't really write this and, um, you know, your, your director really did this right. And, um, it was kind of shocking, honestly. And I really got set back a little bit that, uh, I wasn't being embraced in that role. And then I realized nobody's going to like knight you as a writer. It's never going to happen. I thought going to this lab would be the knighting. You know what I mean? I thought it's like, now I can own and tell everybody I'm a writer and I got, all of this kind of pushback a little bit. So not from everybody, but from enough people. And I just realized, yeah, no one's gonna knight you a writer and you have to say, I'm a writer. No matter what anybody else thinks about it, no matter what their judgments are, no matter what you've written, you just have to declare it and be it and own it. That's the first big psychological step. The other pro- the other challenge was Uh, my development producer brain would always stop me. It would always, you know, I would start to write and then it would be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm kind of doing that today. So I'm not saying this is over, but uh, it was a much bigger challenge when I first started. I couldn't write anything. Like literally I couldn't write anything. Uh, So what I did to get over that was I started to write things that my producer development brain didn't know anything about. So I wrote a play, I wrote a novel. I started taking some classes at UCLA uh, in short stories. Again, I, I didn't want to necessarily do those things, but I needed to get the creative juices and get the water in the dry riverbed so that that part of my brain couldn't stop me. So I could kind of see myself, oh, look, I can do this. I took a, a group, wonderful group writing class by a teacher named Nancy Bacall that you met every week and wrote autobiographical stuff. Again, so it was just to kind of get it going so I could start to, my brain could start to trust it and to learn to do the vomit draft which we call barf draft, birth draft, whatever you want to call it, foundation draft, whatever you want to call it. Foundation draft's not quite right because it could be the foundation of zero. Um, but that kind of pulling it up without judgment is what I had to get through mostly. And then, you know, you have this big expectation that, well, I know all these people in town from my job, so I'm just going to be able to jump the queue and go right to the head of that company. That's not how it works either. 
you still have to go to the people underneath because there's politics involved and you don't want to jump those people and they need to know who you are. So they're championing you in the room. And that's the kind of stuff where you start using your manager and your agent to help you strategize that. I'm still calling my friends who are big producers or because of all that, that those years I spent, 10 years as a producer, but it's, it, it's still a political thing that you have to figure out. I have a follow-up question. Charlene wants to know if your producing brain ever kicks in during your writing process. So I'm curious how, how, what the, the positive ways are. I mean, we talked a little bit about the negative ways where it stops you, but how does your producing brain help you in your writing process? I think it helps me because I know the questions to ask. So like today I was working with a partner on something and he started to unconsciously veer off into what I thought was tonal. Like he started talking about it not being fun. And I was like, that may be, but right now we have to get this arc down. And the arc of course affects tone. I'm not at all saying it doesn't, but it's such more foundational. Like you could take one arc and do many, many different tones with it. So my ability to kind of, not always, but sometimes stay on track is my producer brain. And sometimes it helps me in the meetings because I under actually understand what's happening here. And I think other writers, you might not. Um, so, I mean, it's bad because I know what people say when the writer walks out and they close the door. <laughs> so that's, that's too much information to have. Um, but I do have it. Um, so it, it makes me a little bit of an overthinker, I think. Um, I'm always kind of questioning people's motives and do they really mean that? And though I, I think my brain does that anyways. Um, so it does really help me because I know the questions to ask. I think teaching really helps me as a writer because I, you know, I kind of know the questions. But sometimes you just have to forget all that and, and write from your gut and your heart and what has meaning to you. So how do you hop around in all those like places, right? Writer brain, producer brain. Like right now I just have to go have fun. Right now I just have to find all the dig around in the dark corners of my lava. Okay, right now I need to zoom way back out and start to ask some questions. Do you just trust your gut on yeah. that? Is it sort of a learned process for you? Yeah, I think I have no idea. I think I just wing it. <laughs> I would love to say it's my gut and I totally know each time I'm gonna do yeah, I don't. Sometimes I'm like, this is not working. This is not working. I am not getting anything out of this. It's flat, it doesn't work. I don't, and it's almost like a body thing. Like, I'll be honest, I'm very anxious today because we can't get it. And, and my body, I'm gonna be anxious until I go, oh no, that's it. And I can relax. And it's just how it is. So I bounce. I know some people don't, but I personally bounce. If I if the lava stuff is not working for me and, and kind of journaling or whatever it is that I'm trying to do to pull up the lava, sometimes I will go watch a movie that's uh, an ensemble action movie or whatever your genre or whatever it is you're trying to do and get inspiration or I'll jump over to ask the outside in questions like what is the poster for this and you know what is the tone of this and what is the studio, why did they buy this, why, this IP, right? Like in terms of what do they think this is? Again, I don't think that can drive the inspiration, but sometimes it can start to crack it and give me ideas. Because uh, you can get kind of set, right, in like, well, she has to be this way. Well, does she really? That, not, no, not necessarily. You can, you can start to move her around and, and shift who's around her. Um, and so I play those games. Like just this morning with my writing partner, we started – Okay, well, what if we took everybody who's around her and just said they're different people? 
Like, let's take this character and make her that. And just, again, I don't know if we're going to do that, but it helps us break the ice of getting locked into what we had so that we can see more. That's an interesting exercise. Sounds terrifying. It's relatively terrifying, um, but... <laughs> so Tyler asks if you have any advice for a writer who wants to produce their own work. He also wants to know if he's cutting off potential buyers by going down this path. Um, I think producing your own work is super hard because you might have to fire the writer <laughs> and hire somebody else <laughs> and let it go that, that, you know, and your job as a producer is to, in my opinion, and, and everybody's going to have a different take on this as producers, but the way I did it was my job was I work for the studio and I'm working for the artistry and I'm in the middle. And so I'm, ha I'm finding the balance. I'm often protecting the artistry with the studio or the buyer. But sometimes I have to go back to the artistry and be like, here's the deal. This is what's happening. Let me explain the politics of this, right? That actress doesn't like it. We think it's great. She doesn't like it. So what are we going to do? How do I still keep you on your track? But we have to deal with this. She's getting the movie financed. Like your job is to do a lot more than just quote unquote protect the script. Um, so it's a whole job. You know what I mean? It would kind of be like saying, well, you know, I want to, I'm a carpenter, but can I be a welder? Well, sure. But you have to go learn to be a welder. Like it's, you can't just be a producer. Like it's a big, big job. And I would say if you're going to make it yourself, please go for it. Raise the money, do it. You're going to learn so much. You're going to learn so much. Um, but often you're going to be in the position of we have to cut a scene. And you have to go tell yourself, as the writer, we're cutting a scene, <laughs> right? Like, it's tricky. I think it's tricky. Uh, I think it's tricky. Uh, versus you having a partner, and you're the writer-director, and you have a partner who's protecting you from a lot of that stuff. Like, the actor won't come out of the trailer, but we're not going to tell you that right now. Because you're trying to figure out the lighting, so I'm going to get the actor out of the trailer. You know, how do you do that? You know, it's just a high skill set. Uh, so why don't we move on to some writing specific questions right. and your thought process, which I'm very interested oh, in. Boy. Um, so <laughs> Wendy wants to know about the journey of an idea or story from that initial spark. What usually sparks it for you and how do you get it to the outline barf draft carding stages? The spark is so random, right? It's, I mean, ask, I think any creative person, it's hard to even remember where the spark came from. It's a conversation you had. It's an NPR thing you heard that you're not adapting, but it sparked something else. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this, but I once heard an NPR thing about the, the ministers who are on death row with the inmates. And I don't know, it just, it just stuck in my head. Again, I'm not doing that that idea started to move around or you hear something historical so i don't they come from all over the place um i do find that i tend to go towards certain kinds of ideas but i don't try to think about that because then i'm not in me i'm actually projecting myself out into other people looking at my idea and in the early stages i don't want to do that because then i will shut down i just want to love it and 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 be in it and allow myself to wander around i loved when it, on, uh, on one of the sprints somebody was like oh my god i'm lost in the woods this barf draft is just going on and on it's branching and branching and branching and i'm like i know go branch now's the time right like the movie will not even be what the spark was potentially i mean it will be in its essence but the execution of it you have no idea so mm -hmm. i just um let it go and i do a lot of maybe free writing 
I do like, I, be, I think because I was a producer, just I'm a structure person, I do like to start throwing structures up. Like right now on this project with this partner, we literally have four versions of this arc and we know it has to hit these five things. So, okay, version one, how would that work? Version two, how would that work? Version three, which one is hitting all five? Which one do we love and can write? Which is another thing, like intellectually, I can figure this out sometimes. Like I don't just stay with structure because I've been in a situation where I've presented something that I intellectually think works and then you have to write it and you're like, oh, oh, I, this isn't coming from my guts. So it's not executing on the page. You know, it's just, it is this balancing act and I just toggle back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes I catch myself and I'm way over into the intellect and I force myself back. And sometimes I'm just wandering around and okay, we need a structure. We gotta, we gotta turn something in, pick a, pick a lane. And just, cause sometimes you can wander as avoidance. <laughs> Both of these right. things, both sides of the balancing act can be avoidance. The intellect, right? And the wanderer artistry, birth. Like, you can avoid anywhere. It's just kind of your own kind of catch it and realize. And, all, and the other thing is to give it to people. Be, to make yourself vulnerable and say, okay, I know this doesn't work. It's a mess. But what's in here? What are your questions? They don't have to have any answers, but they're questions. I just read... A, me a mentee's barf draft. And you know, all of my questions, interestingly enough, were producer questions. You're doing the genre, but you're not doing the genre. Like what you, it's not, the A plot is not the genre plot. So let's just talk about this. Which do you want to do? Do you want to do an indie movie that has a little C genre in it? Or do you want to do a big genre movie and then do your indie stuff in the B and C plot? Who's coming to see this movie? Like I start to jump out into those questions. Who is the audience for this? Because it has kid um, protagonists, but it's pretty scary. So, you know, it's just, you're just jumping around. Yes. So you're at the point in your career where, you know, you, I mean, obviously you're working for other people, right? right. You're pitching something. So there's structure requirements, there's deadlines, but when you have a project that is your passion project or comes from an original idea that you don't have you know, the outside rules, how do you impose that structure on, like where a lot of our emerging writers are writing original pilots, writing their own features. What kind of systems do you have in place to check yourself, you know, taking that idea from spark to outline or, you know, well, I mean, what I do process. is I put, I pitch it to a producer um, who are generally are my friends. And now I have somebody that who's waiting for it. If you don't have that, then it can be a friend who's waiting for it. But it has to be the friend who's going to call you on it. it can, you know, you want the friend to read it who's going to be like, oh, my God, this is so good. And, you know, that supportive friend for the read. But for the deadline, you want the one who's just like, I'm not, dude, you told me on Tuesday. So give it to me, whatever you have. You kind of have to, you know, who who is that person? I need an outside person because otherwise I I get lost in my either research or I get lost in my, it's not working, right? Um, or, um, I mean, it's weird though. Sometimes I wrote a spec once that it wrote itself in two weeks, but I had been mulling it for a long time. Um, so I, for me, the way I do it, my system, quote unquote, is to have outside people. And sometimes even that doesn't work because it's a passion project and like, what are they really going to do if you don't turn it in? Um, right. So, I mean, it's a big ask, right? It's a big ask to ask someone to be on you like that. Right. So how do you, what's the return that you offer? 
well, know, if they're a producer and you're a writer, you'll read some of their stuff. Or if they're a writer, you're going to do it for somebody else. Like this is also why you can have writers groups or writers fans so that you can have those deadlines for yourself. And here's the thing. I think that the reason it works this way where you have to have this self-discipline at the beginning is because it's, it's building a muscle. Because eventually you are going to have to have the self-discipline to get that thing in on time. You just are. Like we can say, well, you have a deadline. so there. But you know what? You've got three months, 12 weeks to write that draft. So you can fuck around for a long time and avoid it and procrastinate and all of a sudden write it like in three weeks and never have any time to read it over, write multiple drafts. Like you, in features at least, and you know, TV is different. You're going to be definitely on deadlines all over the place. In features, you have to have that muscle that you get up every day and you write. You have to have it um, in order to... Get, deliver really good, nuanced, complex work. You don't want to hand anybody the barf draft, right? But if you haven't given yourself time, you know, and by the way, in features, you're going to write that barf draft based on the pitch. You're going to go, oh my God, half of this doesn't work because it right. worked when I said it, but it doesn't work when I execute it. So I have to go back. So you do have to have discipline even when you're getting paid to because you're going to be doing so many versions. Right, and just to say it, when you get a feature deal, when you get a TV deal, it's in steps, right? So right. there's the outline, there's the first draft. That is not the real first draft. That no. is the first draft that the studio or the network is reading. So you've gone through several iterations of that. Just script. on your own. Forget about giving it to the producer or who's going to be like, I don't get it or whatever. Right. And then you were like, oh, shit, isn't that what you bought? I guess not. What? what? Right. Ah. Um, yeah, so it's. Th I think that's why it's not that different. And by the way, anybody out there who's like, well, I'm terrible at this. I guess I'm not a writer. Sorry, so am I. That doesn't mean anything about if you're a good writer or not. It just means it's going to be a little bit harder for you. But you yes, know, then the they, there's curve. writers who say they procrastinate for a long time, but they're not procrastinating. They're cooking, right? They're mm -hmm. thinking about it. Um, I think I'm just procrastinating right now, but... Uh, I don't know. I think we all cook in different ways, right? right? When you're, how do you tell the difference between when you're procrastinating and when you're cooking? And what is self judgment and what is it's because actually part of your process? Because if I'm thinking about the character and I'm thinking about the story math and I'm thinking about what I care about and I'm turning it over, like I, one of the best ideas I had in the last year, I was cooking and cooking and then I was like, fuck, ah, I can't. I'm going to jump out a window. I can't figure it out. And I just, I just, I'm not going to do it. And that night when I got in the shower, literally out of nowhere, I was like, oh, that's what it is. She's going to see that. Holy shit. Because I literally was in the shower thinking, well, but what would be the craziest, most upsetting thing that it could be? Emotionally, forget about the plot. And the Emotionally, if she turned around the corner and she saw what? And I was like, oh, that would be in this case, it was something that was more parental. Like, as a parent, that would be. So I'm thinking, right? I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Okay, well, it's, you know, she, as a parent, how do I, how am I relating to this? What, what as a parent would be the worst thing I could see? Oh, shit, that would be the worst thing. And the worst thing that the dialogue could be coming at me would be this. That would hurt me so bad. Okay, what if it's that, right? And then you toss that out there and, and, and let it cook. And when it, I felt it that deeply, like that would be the hardest thing for my kid to say to me. Believe me, mm -hmm. they also, anybody you're pitching it to is like, oh my God, right? Because- right. And that's the difference. You talk about this a lot. That's the difference between knowing something intellectually 
actually and feeling it, like feeling it, right? right. So somehow that both of those have to work. Yeah, like in, in this thing math. I'm doing today, I have four versions, but the reason I'm having a little anxiety in my body is I'm not feeling them deeply yet. I'm not thinking about that end of act two and going, oh. Uh, and again, maybe I'm just pushing it too hard and I should just let it be intellectual and everybody will be happy, but I can't. So, um, right. you know, that's what I'm doing. Okay, next question. So Nick asks what your favorite things in life are outside of screenwriting and if they influence each other. My favorite thing outside of screenwriting, you know, other than human beings, uh, is uh, I love reading novels. I probably read a novel every two weeks if not quicker, because I'm reading every morning. I get up early, I do my exercises, because you have to stay fit. I know that sounds crazy as a writer, but you do. Uh, and then, because uh, you're sitting so much, and then I read, a, I read a novel that cannot be a movie. Like, I'm not, I'm not reading the stuff that's been submitted to me. I'm not reading stuff that maybe that's, because then I'm working. I read like either bubblegum stuff or historical stuff or really great, like I'm, I've decided I'm gonna read all of the long list of the Booker Prize. I'm gonna read every one of them um, because I love it, but it's also how does it affect my writing? I'm immersed in amazing writing. It doesn't sometimes apply directly to what I do because like a lot of times novels, my son was just talking about a novel you had to read for school and he's like, Mom, by the end of the novel, nothing happened. She didn't make any choice. She didn't do anything. And I'm like, I know it's a novel because she, it's all internal. So it, how cool is that, that you can do that, right? Um, but I just love immersing myself in that stuff. So uh, Patricia wants to know what you find the easiest and the hardest part of the writing process. I mean, this can also be asked, like, what do you love and what do you hate? about the writing process. Well, because I'm in anxiety, beat my head against a wall mode, nothing All of it. is easy. <laughs> nothing. I love nothing about it. Nothing. I love nothing. I literally had, was like, why am I doing this for a living? What is writing? What are words? This, it's a, how do you make a movie? Um, uh, no, I love, when you do get that emotional, like that moment I talked about where I, 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 I got it, I just, the idea came into my head and I was like, oh, that, and that emotional moment or when the character I love when you're writing and the characters come alive and they just start doing stuff because they're just now on a track. And it's like meeting people. It is. To me, it's like meeting people and they just start going. And uh, that's why I'm kind of annoyed that this character is not coming to me. She's being a bitch and she is just held holding off. I'm sorry, but she is. Because I'm, so, I'm saying that to myself. Maybe instead of being a bitch, she is hiding from yeah, you annoyed. because you're chasing her too hard. Well, sweetie, I got a deadline, so let's go. There's no, forget that. I've done 10 versions of her. Let's go. Um, I'll talk to her. You, Let me talk to her. Can you please talk to her? I'll talk to her. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Pat Ferducci posted something about muses, and I was like, my muse is a bitch. <laughs> um, what is, that's what I like. And what I don't like is this anxiety, which I will have, and I'll be mean to everybody in my family, and they all know it, until... This character finally walks in the door and I can be like, there it is. And by the way, even if I'm like, there it is. And then you send it to the producers and they're like, nah, nope. I'm like, then you go back in. Like it's not, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't last, but I don't care. I just got to get through the door. Right. That's a tricky part too, is you know in your guts that you've solved it. You've solved all the problems, you know, it's working for you and you're excited and then you just deliver it. And the answer is, eh. 
Yeah. I had and one you're like, go, oh. I don't get it. Yeah. She went, I don't like, get it. And I told that to my <laughs> sister. And now that's something they do in their family. I don't get it. <laughs> like she put her, she put her dinner, she put dinner down in front of her kid. And he went, I don't get it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, not a good note. To... If you're an executive and listening, not a good note. I don't get no. it. I mean, it's not really a great note. Um, no. It is actually though, still, because those oh, shit, they don't get it. Um, yeah, it's because I love, I, I have to look up who, who said this on the Facebook group, uh, because I really liked it. And he talked about how as a writer, after you get notes, it's a process of trying to fall back in love over and over and over having to fall back in love, back in love. Right. Oh, I just fell in love and oh, look, it's a toad and there's warts and it's gooey and shit. Nobody likes it. And then mm-hmm. I see the prince. I swear I can't. Usually I'd be yeah. like, but look at the toad. Look at it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that process of constantly falling back in love, which is where I am right now. So what's the balance for you? This is not from the question. This is my question. The balance between I love it, I'm in love with it, but I'm also writing this for an audience. First, the executives, the producer, the director, and like it's how do you balance that? Um, Like I have to love it as a creative and then you have to love it. And I have to listen to you. It's not a book. It's not a novel. Right. It, it's a blueprint for people to take and own and it becomes their own thing. I was just reading the Hollywood Roundtable from the actresses on the Emmys and they were saying the same thing as actresses, that they're watching and going, but wait, take seven was so much better. Why do you think that's my best performance? Like they, they have to hand it over and the audience suddenly owns the character and they have the same experience that writers have of handing it over and it's somebody else's. So it is definitely something you have to think about if you want to do screenwriting or you know, television is a little different because you're the showrunner, ultimately. But, you know, until you're the showrunner, that isn't happening either. Um, and even then, when you're a showrunner, there's a studio. There's all kinds of people involved that are getting their fingers in there, right? And telling you, you know, what widget they want. Um, so uh, for me, and it's where I am right now, it's trying to really dig into what they want and find something that's still emotional to me. And I, it is a str- it is a challenge. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not a challenge. Sometimes it's going backwards because I have to go back and see why did I even like this? What did I love about this? Right? And sometimes it's going forwards and letting things go. And I can't give you a do this because it depends on the situation. And it's okay. It's really okay to write some drafts and just try some stuff as writing exercises. Like if you get the note, make the boy a dog, just do it. Just do it for three pages so that you at least know why you're saying no. And you can say no in a really intelligent way and you will discover something. Odds are you're gonna discover something. So it's trying stuff. That's how I do it. I try it, I try it, I try it. Nope, 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 right? And sometimes it's like, oh, I, I, this intellectually makes sense, but I don't, I don't know how to write that. that. That's not fun for me to write. So. It can't be right yet. She's not popping off the page. I'm not like, oh, she could do this. Now, you remember when we were at Pixar and people would be throwing out ideas and all of a sudden an idea, which is probably part of somebody else's and a half of that one, and somebody put it together with a third thing and they throw it on the table and all of a sudden everybody in the room is throwing out ideas of how they could make that work. And you're like, there it is. It created this atmosphere of, oh, 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 and then he could do that, and then they could do this, and this, oh my God, they could be dinosaurs who are, you know, T-Rexes, and blah, 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 and it goes, blah, 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 and they're like, there it is. It's it's gathering this kind of energy. Um, I'm not saying that's easy to find, 
And if you're by yourself, that's why you have writer's groups because they start asking you those questions and digging it out and you keep trying things and trying things. If you hold on too tight, um, for me, that doesn't work because you're never going to get to that deeper, more interesting stuff. But what you're holding tight to is that emotional sonar that's in you. And that you is just a balance. Do you feel like there's any correlation between the note you get from a friend, a writer's group, a producer, an executive, where the answer is just viscerally no. And if you do turn the boy into the dog, let's say it's that note, right? What if the boy was a dog and you're just like, no, that ruins everything. But then you try it and you find something. Do you find there's any kind of correlation between the the intensity with which you're saying no to what if you just try it or is it just? Well, I uh, it can be either obviously, but for me as when I'm giving notes, if I get a really big no back, like that person's gonna punch me in the face, I'm like, oh, well, there's something under there. <laughs> so we're right. going in because that was really emotional. That was, so, there is a guard at that door and he or she is big and burly and is gonna kill me. So we gotta go in there and see what's in there. So sometimes the visceral no is a great sign. You're right on top of it. And it's really, really, really hard as a writer to have that no come up and be the one to take you through the door. That's why you need a writer's group, a friend, somebody to go, just write a paragraph, three sentences, big deal. That's what's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen, it's words on paper. And sometimes the no is because it's off track. That's not my movie. That's okay too. It's and then you, but you write it and figure out why it's not your movie, mm-hmm. which tells you what your movie is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, even exp- exploring the no tells you what the yes is because it's like that ain't it, so this must be it, um, and it just helps you articulate it back too. Yeah, it's uh, really easy doing what we're doing, oh, it's everybody. So easy. Really easy. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times, Meg, I've been mad at you. When you're like, just explore it. I'm like, no. And then I have to go do it. So, you know, know. with love. We all have blind spots. We all have blind (laughs) spots. And the blind spot's probably going to travel with you through each uh, script or story. As an example of this, um, I had you read something I'd written and you were like, there's something missing here. There's something missing here. And I talked to you about it and you were like, it's this. It's her relationship with her mother. And I was like, I don't want to write that. I really, really don't want to write it. And I wrote it and it gave me a lot of good information, but I did not end up putting it in the pilot because I didn't, I needed to know it and I needed to know exactly what it was. And I rewrote it many, many times. And then ultimately I took it out because it helped me get where you needed to go, where I needed to go. But I'm still mad at you about that, that I had to write that. (laughs) I mean, in the best, most loving. Welcome. You know, yeah, like, thank you for that. But it was that, I felt like I was wasting time. I felt like it was a futile exercise. Like all those excuses we give ourselves not to do the work that won't, that we think won't show up on the page. Because while it wasn't literally on the page, it was on the page. It's in the script and it's in the character. So just as a proving your point, it was not wasted. It feels like it's wasted because it's time. Right. And time is this precious, precious commodity we have as writers. Um, but anyway, 
Yeah, no, that's often you're like, oh my God, I only have an hour to write because I can only write an hour a day. Why the hell am I going to take it on this exercise when I need to write a script? But the problem is you have to write the exercise to write the script. and You do have to take that time. Like this, my passion project, I'm a little wigged out that I took all this time an hour every morning and wrote a pilot that doesn't work. But I had to write it to know that she's only an A storyline of three. And I wrote wrote the A storyline. I have it. I have it, but I have to now go do research to do the B and C storyline. Like, I just do. And it's kind of a bummer that it took me all this time to figure that out, but it did. And uh, the more I avoid it, the less it's happening. I know that sounds so obvious, but your brain is tricking you into thinking, if you don't just sit down and write it, you don't have to face it not working, because if it doesn't work, you don't have anything. But if you don't sit down and write it, you don't have anything. So you just made my brain explode. <laughs> uh, you're creating your own destiny. Just do it. Just get through the right. drafts and the muck. I liked. Was it Andrew or I don't remember who said you're going to write 25 drafts. So just get going. It was Andrew. Yeah, yeah. I think too. Just I always remind myself when I'm writing trash that like at least I'm writing. And you know Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours. And you no, know, the more you write, the better you will be. Just inevitably, yeah, even if you're writing something you don't like, you'll be better tomorrow because you wrote today. So just right. writing will make you a better writer always. I mean, I think about it, any craft, it, woodworking, glass blowing, painting, name something. Uh, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets to just do it. Right. All right, so I have one last question and this comes from me. It's a two-part question. Is earlier in the show you talked about anxiety mm-hmm. and I think it's a fairly common thing with most writers. Um, okay, I can only speak for myself. So two questions. Um, one, uh, how do you push through it as a writer? But two, what is your uh, answer, what is your fantasy, right? Mine is, you know, it used to be to move to Vermont and make goat cheese. Right, I think we all have this like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm gonna go do this thing, right? Uh, what, so I guess that's part one. What is your, if this doesn't work, I'm gonna go to this thing. And then more realistically, how do you just keep going through that paralyzing anxiety? Well, you know, my husband and I often now are having the conversation. What if we just retired 10 years earlier and 12 years earlier and just, you know, traveled the world and went to Japan and Tibet and went up mountains and, you know, I don't know, kids, I just, I'm running away. I'm literally like running right. away. I right. do want to do that, by the way, but not yet. Or, you know, I think a lot about, I should just be teaching. Like, this is crazy. Why don't I just teach? And then you're like, well, this is stupid. You're quitting because you can't do it to teach. Like, no, that doesn't even make any logical sense either. But then, of course, I think about my dreams and what I want to do and these TV shows I have in my head and these characters I have in my head. And, of course, I'm not going to quit on them. And that's why I sit down and get through the anxiety uh, number one, because it's due. I have to be honest. Part of me is just, you have to. I literally sometimes like walk around and do the dishes. And it's just like, it's so much, it's so stupid because I'm in so much fiery anxiety pain. And it's, I know that as soon as I sit down and just write something down, just have it on a piece of paper, I'm going to feel better. But making myself do that is stupidly hard. You know, I literally sometimes just be like, it doesn't matter, just write it. Okay, that's terrible. It doesn't matter, just write it. Just go, just write it. Just write something else. What's the next thing? What would it be? Okay, okay, okay. But I, I literally am pushing myself through until you get the pop and the spark. And now it starts to write itself. 
right? Like you just, and sometimes there's days that never writes itself, but often if you can just go again, go again, go push, you're gonna get some traction and all of a sudden the characters are gonna start talking or something's gonna unlock, but you have to push through that anxiety and there is nothing other than doing it. And I know it's super hard because if you have another job, you're in school, you have family, there's so many other things that you could go put your anxiety into, right? But you have to just sit there and, because we all think about, oh, write an hour a day. And in our imagination, it's like, and that hour will be bliss. And I'll be writing genius things. When the fact is, most of the time, that hour is just like, doesn't work, shit. And I think people don't write because they don't want to face that feeling and confront. It's it, Writing is a constant confronting of your own vulnerability the limitations you have right now. By the way, I have a lot of skill set behind me, but I'm still pushing into things that are new to me. Um, you're always gonna have, it's a new story at the very least, new people to work with, new genre, whatever, uh, new partnership, that it's confronting you and asking you to rise. And, but the people who do it for a living, that's what you have to do. I'm sorry, I don't believe there's anybody out there, no writer, who doesn't go through this. I don't care how many blockbusters they have, there's gonna be a few days at the minimum of this. Um, even if it's your passion project, there's gonna be days of this anxiety, this none of this works, I'm a total failure, I just wasted all of my time, whatever. Um, but it's the people who do it over and go back, go back, go back, go back, don't go do that thing, don't go to that party, don't uh, go drink that vodka. Don't, well, eat the cupcake because I do, but uh, sit down and suck. It's gonna suck, guys. It just is, until it doesn't. <laughs> I, I don't, maybe we can end on that. It's gonna suck until it yes. doesn't. That's my wisdom of is that the, the new t-shirt? That's my new t-shirt. Screenwriting life. Yeah, this is why I have podcast people. This is why I have a podcast because of that genius thinking. It's going to suck until it doesn't. Ta-da! Inspiring, Meg, inspiring. <laughs> well, actually, you are really inspiring. And as always, it's a delight to listen to you talk about your process and how much you love writing. And I think that's why you are so inspiring because you love writing in the process so hard, even knowing that it's gonna suck. Even when I hate it. Doesn't. it. Because you have that hope that it is not going to suck eventually. And it's that hope, I think, that allows us to battle through the anxiety. Yeah, and that hope might be, you know, oh, because I, I've i had the experience of Inside Out or whatever, sure, but I had this hope before that. I had this hope because I wrote that one scene that I fucking love. I love that scene. It may never get made. It's probably never getting made, but I fucking love it. I'm so glad it exists in the world and I did it. Great, just write for that. Yeah, I think that's it. That's the back of the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it, I fucking and I write to it. that. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, yes, I fucking love well, it. Well, well, thank you for thank you us guys all. for you know letting me just babble here for however long this was, and uh, I we, I didn't get to all the questions, so when I have a chance, I will go in and answer them on the Facebook feed uh, as much as I can. So, um, you know, if you're new to the show, please do go onto the Facebook feed and 
There's tons of support there from uh, other emerging writers, professional writers being paid are also on there helping everybody. Um, so go on and get some support. Yeah, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, these reviews help us reach even more screenwriters and allow us to keep the show going. And remember to keep writing, please. Even though it sucks, it will get better. <laughs> it won't always suck. And just remember that you are not alone. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.